Welcome to the We're Live Fancast. And now, your host, Mr. Redbeard and Mick. Alright, welcome to episode 41 of the We're Live Fancast, where we cover every new release of the We're Live audio drama. I'm Mick. And I'm Redbeard. And we're excited to talk about chapter 45, Distorted Truths, part 2 of 3. What can you believe? What can you believe? What can you believe? Question of the episode is, where's Datu? <laughs> I don't know, I haven't seen him for a whole show, I'm starting to worry <laughs> about him. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it may not have been asked that many times, but it seemed like they asked a lot. Where's Datu? Where's Datu? Where's Datu? <laughs> That's great. Uh, and we've got some coverage of some very crazy detailed episode of We're Alive. And, uh, but don't leave after that, because in the feedback section, there's some really good stuff people brought up. And we're going to even talk about some previous season stuff. So that's that's a lot of fun. Sweet. So I got I, I you know most people already know, but the We're Live season finale is officially sold out now. Sold out. Every ticket bought. Done. <laughs> so wow, good job, guys. Which if I blocked anybody from that, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, I had to go and get one of the tickets to have in my memorabilia. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> uh, well, you'll be it's, there. So. It's in our collection now. Yes. <laughs> Next to the Tony Ray script. Yes. In <laughs> uh, the piles and piles and piles of MP3s. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be buying that box set after it's over because it, that's just too awesome. It really is. And plus, you know, Week of We're Alive is out now. The mini doc we talked about last week, I think. Yes, it's very cool. It's a little different than when we watched it. A few little tweaks here and there. Was there? I yeah. thought it was exactly the same. Yeah, I believe it's a little different. I think there's some just some graphic work and stuff in there and there's a few little edits. Cool. Well, are you ready to do some corrections? Yes, I got a big one ahead of time. Um, evidently, Audacity crapped out on me whenever I was editing the uh, Blair Wayland interview. And there's like a huge section of my voice just missing completely. I think it's close to the last hour almost. Like from an hour on to the rest of the interview. You can't So um my entire project file for that is hosed. When I went back in to open it up, it was just messed up. So I'm going to make a new one and re-release that and I'll just put out a blog entry whenever I do and if anybody's interested in listening to that they can but I'm just going to kind of oh, fix it for the record. You should you should cut out you should leave the first hour or however long that is good and only edit the next part of it. Oh and just splice it in? Right. Okay. Well I may go back and make it a little bit more clean than we originally released it to. I've been having mixed feelings about that episode. Yeah, well, we just, well, oh well, you're editing in a few different places you weren't usually editing, so eh. good on you. 
Okay, we talked about that. Remember that noise that I thought might be a zombie noise in the background? Oh, the grunt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Casey said that was a growl of of Michael's frustration. Then he winky-faced me, so now I'm thinking, was it really? Yeah. So we'll go with that. That's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) He also said, yeah, key tracking would be hard in this world, so putting them back in distinct places makes sense. And I didn't even realize this until after we recorded completely. But when you mentioned you don't know why Tardust didn't take the key with him, I was what I was thinking in my head was why didn't Tardust take it with him whenever he was out and about? But taking it with him inside, that would make so much more sense so that he could feel a little, little more secure in his own bed. I, Especially since there's not anybody else alive right. that knows about this place. Just doing that makes it seem like... There's someone else that's he's expecting to show up. Yeah, and that's. But as we find out later on today, I mean, they do put the cameras out there to watch for someone coming there. So I guess we'll find out. Right. And uh, the next one I've got here is okay. They were there were there was some talk about the little one noises of crying. Do you remember that? Yes. And is that confirmed? Yes. The little one noise is crying from early in chapter in season one. Okay, this if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, there was some talk on, on Twitter and probably from the forums too. I can't remember exactly who, where it came from. Oh yeah, I can. We talked about it last week. But basically there was crying from season one when Riley and Angel are hiding in the bodies and now we know that it's the little one babies crying. Somebody mentioned, oh, I wonder if that was uh, little Wayland who who voiced Lizzie's baby. And Casey confirmed that was, in fact, his crying nephew. He was fine, though. They just got a couple uh, good moments of crying in there. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't have to pinch him. Right. <laughs> I promise there's plenty of that to go around. No pinching needed. <laughs> And that's all I have in the corrections. But under iTunes reviews, we did get another iTunes review. Sweet. And thank you to Gman.777 who left us five stars. He just says great show and thank you for that, Gman. That wasn't uh that wasn't anybody that you know that uses the Gman moniker, was it? No. Okay. I, I think I would surely not. No, it's not him. <laughs> Especially the reference on the title. That that would be funny. That would be. But, no, that's not him. Okay, cool. It better not be. <laughs> well, you using the... Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay, ready so this? I want to... Oh, no. <laughs> so, we got a little bit of Red Network news. So, the website's had some downtime recently, off and on. Due to some kind of script that's allowing spam to be sent out from our server. And they keep disabling us as if we're the ones spamming. (laughs) I think I've got it narrowed down. Um, And because it's nothing that our fans use, we're going to turn... We've turned off all the comments, pingbacks, and we're going to be disabling plugins that may be causing the issue. um, To include some of the contact forms. But you will still be able to email us or uh, call in to the numbers that we have available. Um, 
So yeah, that, that's kind of just that. It should be fixed by the time you hear this. Uh, but on to another little piece of news, or you know, information sharing or whatever. I wanted to see if it were possible for you to make the road trip if you had a flight back. Oh, you're asking me? Yes. And you're waiting to ask me on the spot during the podcast. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Uh, when does it leave? Uh, let me pull it up the on trusty a Tuesday. Calendar. No, unfortunately. It's just not going to work. I would love to, but... No way possible? No, I just... I can't leave all week. I love... I do love We're Alive, but I... I can't leave for all week to go do that right now. If it was at a different stage in my life, it would be no problem. Okay, that's no tip number two for the ones that know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, scene by scene coverage. But thank you, and thank you for asking many times. It makes me feel wanted. Uh, I would love to be able to do, do the road trip, though. Oh, we're still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and, maybe you can pick it, me up in Vegas, depending on which, uh, depending on which flights are most economical. You want to hit the high points of the Burt Riley and Tardust? Yeah. So they're headed to a safe house to make a call to warn the colony. Um, turns out Tardust was using the greenhouse that we'll call it. <laughs> To manufacture drugs uh, against their eyes' wishes. And what were they? They were making GHB heroin and weed. They were growing weed and a bunch of yeah, other man, stuff. That was a freaking cookhouse and a uh, place to go get your goodies. Yeah. He was basically talking about he was going to use it as a way to gain control of the family. I love it. And plus, the, it was so funny because our confusion of it was a green house that we thought that there was actually a greenhouse somewhere nearby. But, but he was growing weed in it, so yeah. But they were calling <laughs> it the greenhouse because they were it was a grow house and cookhouse. Yeah. So funny. It's awesome. But so you know the name the meaning of Tardus's name is confirmed. He lives right up to the reputation. Yes he does. He's telling who knocks. Yeah. He's telling Bert and Riley that He's tired of her obsession and craziness. And, you know, that's kind of what I said would be the case. But can we really believe TARDIS at this point? That's the question. And I think I do. But uh, there is some evidence to the contrary. Yeah, just mainly leaving the key outside when he's inside of the house. The key outside, which I did not think about until we started talking about the corrections tonight. And then the other thing is uh, that maybe... Maybe he's is feeding them the line that we talk about later with Scratch, and maybe she's not doing that. I may, you know, maybe this is a trap, and that's why she hasn't attacked the uh, convoys yet. Right, and I'll, t- I'll talk know. about that later about what uh, kind of what I was expecting. Now, something that I did hear. Oh, and I can hear myself just a little oh, bit. Thanks. Okay. Something that I that I heard. I wasn't really sure of, but, uh, you know, when he was apologizing to Bert and then, uh, and uh, apologizing about Angel, you know, Riley's not happy either way. Cool. She's, she's out for vengeance, but it sounded like Bert was having a hard time. Like he wanted to believe Tardis. And I don't know if you derived that at all. Uh, or if 
he's truly in prisoner self-preservation mode and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I think I think you're right on with that. I didn't hear anything to the contrary. Okay. I was just curious. I mean, Bert was just like, why now? And Cardos was just very, it was very logical. His, his argument was, he's just tired of it. This grudge thing, you know? Which is very understandable. A lot I'd be, of sense. I don't know why anybody would have stayed for, uh, stayed with her as long as they did. Right. I mean, she's crazy. She is, man. <laughs> and that's all I've got for that. At the, yeah, same that here. Scene. That's it for me. And the next Good. one is a little bit, uh, Slim Pickens, the next scene, but because uh, it's mostly just straightforward. Yeah. Do you want me to hit it off or what? If you had, if you had some stuff to talk about, yeah, I was just, I had one so, thing at the very end. Um, you know, it's just Michael and Victor coming back to the colony in an initial reunion, and this is when they're finding out about Lizzie and all that. But I mean, we really don't have to go through all this. Um, I don't know. It seems like the emotions that Saul is experiencing are very natural and he knows that some of them are irrational. So that's good. And, but I tell you, man, again, Nate G's yes. nailed it. He's incredible. That's it my me, main note for the scene. I made yes. a note that says, made me feel all soft again. Nate G's and Otto Sturk did work. I mean, <laughs> yeah. those guys, they tore it up. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. You know, in Casey, he, he said before that every scene is giving you one more piece that is needed for the rest of the story. And sometimes whenever I have these scenes that are very straightforward, I'm like, well, let me try to dig a piece out from that. And I guess it's just that Saul's going through a hard time. I don't know. There probably is something else to it. But I mean, there yeah, was a lot I mean, of details. It... I mean, Pete and Max are there. We're learning lots of small things that we need to know to help build the colony back in our minds of what exactly is going on there. And, and, and something here that, I mean, we've seen it little by little leading up to this, but the fact that Victor and Saul's connection is so strong now, and but Saul and Michael have really kind of drifted apart. Michael's not there consoling him. And, you know, in the very beginning, I would have seen Michael consoling Saul instead of Victor doing it. Right, because he's just like, when they're saying, where's that to? And she says, oh, him too. And Vic is like freaking out. Who else? Mm-hmm. He knew that he's, he was worried about Saul. He was feeling for him. I mean, and my wife is, comes from a Hispanic family, and Victor very much portrays that role. Those, you know, Hispanic men are more emotional and more aware of that kind of thing. Uh, it's At least that's been my observation. Uh, and Victor fits that picture so well. Yeah, and the... And the stereotype, which I don't think would be a bad one, is they're very family oriented. Yeah. Um, not, that, I mean, everybody is, but especially Hispanics. If that's a stereotype to have, that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, they're, I don't even know if that's something I should say, but, <laughs> but I guess maybe that feeds even more to the character. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, I think it, it speaks volumes because, I mean, Got a bunch of white folks like you know my background and the family's very right. fragmented. Mick Ginger over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, that's good stuff. So there's a good enough break in there where the I felt it warranted a new scene after this. Oh yeah, definitely a new scene, short scene. Good musical transition, right? To Peg's talking about the flyback. 
Yeah, and I kind of broke this into two small pieces too. But I kind of, I kind of did. I left it together, but I, I've got a definite distinction between what happens in this short little conversation leading up to all the details. Right. Absolutely, because no, I'm just saying this next small section I even have split into two small tiny pieces before we get into what I have labeled awesome details scene. <laughs> but in this scene, it even got neglected because I didn't have, after going through the very end, I didn't have a whole lot to say about this part. So if you have some notes on this, you can go ahead or I can just kind of pull from some things. Well, you know, Tanya's beating herself up too. This is all part of the grief and the the stages of grief. Or what is it, what is it called? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Stages of grief, you know. Okay. Denial and all that. It denial through all the way through to acceptance. Yeah, and there seems to be a more rational, well not rational, a more realistic combination of those emotions and what would really happen. It's like they know there's nothing they could do both Tanya and uh, Saul, but they don't want to accept it yet. Mm-hmm. They talk about the burial plans for Lizzie and he's going to be she's going to be uh, buried near uh Angel they talk about, and I, and I, you know, I tried to make this a lighthearted thing about Datu, because it's just been emotional as can be with him too. But there's no burial for him. He's he's crispy, Datu. Crispy. Oh no, it's crispy. <laughs> <laughs> so and there's seen Michael's very concerned about Hope watching Nicholas, because they confirm it. She's still blind. Right. Still, well, they don't. They don't confirm she's still blind. They just don't say she's not blind. <laughs> she's still blind. No, there's no confirmation she's still blind. Because Casey's even said that she can, that she could definitely make out shapes. Or he said that people blind like this can make out shapes. He never said that Hope is blind like that. <laughs> so, I mean, I would appreciate some clarification here, but I think. We're being we're leaving a reveal out for the future. I believe it's safe to say that she's legally blind. I believe it's safe to say we don't know. You know, speaking of, my wife and I met this lady, and she was a very odd bird. But she was legally blind, had the little stick and everything, but drove. Whoa. I've got she a good buddy <laughs> that is legally blind and he does not drive. His wife drives him everywhere. And every now and then he'll walk to work. <laughs> This lady He's not allowed was, to drive. This lady, I thought that if you were legally blind, you couldn't drive. Yeah, he can't have a license. But she was talking about using the curbs of the road to get a gauge of where she's at. This like, like what? Filling her way around. And I thought she was messing with us. Extra strength uh, wheel wall. <laughs> yeah, got the got the curb feelers on there. <laughs> right. <laughs> she got whiskers on the, on her car. So yeah. She can see, figure out where she's going. <laughs> I thought she was messing with this, and then she straight up got in her car with her little walking stick and drove off. Oh, are you sure it wasn't Johnny Knoxville dressed up? Have you seen that sketch where he's a blind man and he gets in a car and starts driving, yes. and crashing into stuff? <laughs> My our only conclusion was that she's full of crap, but you know, I don't know. Right. <laughs> she was kind of Munchild syndrome or something, you know, wanting some attention. Man, I don't know that one, but that's crazy. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think it's confirmed at all. 
I still think we we got some reveal there in the next. Well, you know what keeps getting that. confirmed? What's that? Where's Datu? Where's <laughs> CJS? Datu is not in the colony where anybody can see him. No. He went up in the big blue flame. Yes. <laughs> Need to get some of that. So we find out that Bert and Riley were able to call in on the microwave. Well, they were able to call in, I guess, from one of the safe houses. And CJ mentions that they were going to put microwave relays up at Lake Matthews. That's how they can. That's how they were able to check in with Lake Matthews. They had microwave relays they set up there to call back to the colony. Ah, gotcha. Uh, Bert and okay. Riley called. Bert called in from the hard line. That's when they dropped off Tarda or dropped off Bert. Okay, I got you now. That, that's how they found out the convoys were okay. Yes, the convoys were okay. They found by. Uh, okay, we we already talked about that. Yeah, yeah. So okay, that makes more sense now. I thought I had messed something up, but I forgot to listen to it the second go around or third or fourth. I don't know what it was anymore. <laughs> it's been been a busy, busy day. I bet. So we find out that they told Bert about Lizzie, and I'm just wondering what this is going to do to Riley. With this newfound information. Yes. Well, I mean, to, to us, oblivious us, but, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I wonder, you know, Bart's going to be pretty tore up about it, too. Oh, yeah, that's his buddy. Mm-hmm. But, okay, and so CJ even mentions that TARDIS maybe just, may just be trying to save himself, which is, a, is an option, but everything he's said is pretty rational and straightforward, so I don't know. Right. I don't know if I would really test the waters to bring someone into a trap because if you knew anything about Riley or Bert, you'd be lucky to live the initial stage of meeting up with them. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't. It's hard for me to see. I mean, I know, I'm sure there is definitely could be an angle there, but uh, I, I think he's telling the truth. With, a little bit of doubt, but not not that much. I, I'm sure he knows something else, and I, I'm sure that it's fear of meeting up with her again that's keeping him from saying anything. He probably wants as much distance between him and Scratch as possible. <laughs> yeah, because we even got that, you know, whenever he wasn't being listened to by Burton Riley, whenever mm-hmm. he was around Scratch, we you know we got some of that information. And it wasn't like he was trying to save his bacon there with uh, our tower rights. Yeah. So, I don't know if there's any journal entries from Lizzie about Tardus being the one that was trying to pull the moves on her in the furniture store. But let's hope for his sake that there's not because Saul, if no one else gets to him first, is going to... Slaughter him. Ooh, I never even thought about that. Yeah. Bad way. That could be a <laughs> tough scene, just like that original scene was a tough scene. <laughs> just not near as uh, messed up, but definitely tough to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it will. you will be able to hear the pain. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> what they would do to the actor that portrays him. To get them to feel that, to emote that kind of pain. We might have to break out the peaches to make the puking sound. <laughs> Fire some of those uh, Leviathan Chronicles fireworks at them. 
Yes. <laughs> right now. Smoke this this uh, black cat like it's a cigarette. Smoke this fool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so just since we're on the topic of Tardust and the family, uh, Emma on Twitter was asking questions about the family and the falling out between Angel and the family. And I kind of thought we would be done with hearing any more of that, that back story. Okay. But with Tardus being kept alive, now I'm wondering if we will hear any more. Yeah. Only thing I can go on is the thing that Casey said about you can, we can consider all family storylines to have ended. Okay, never mind. I'll leave that up then, because I I quickly said no. That that's done mm-hmm. to her, but when he started showing up again and they didn't kill him, I figured maybe I don't know. You never know, Casey. Casey anyways, you never know. Tell you one more story to pull at <clears throat> Riley's heartstring. <laughs> that guy. All right, so, awesome details time. Yes, awesome details so time. So much good stuff. I might go down through this one time with you, and then go back through it again just to try to grab all this stuff. I mean, there's so I've never had this much bold. Oh right, I know. <laughs> on a, a section of notes, and also probably had never had this many notes on a section. Yes, but um, okay. I've I bolded this one section about whoever wrote one half of the note that was in English could still understand and write the other, which was in the symbolism. Tanya had mentioned that. That was really interesting and didn't know what quite to make of it. But they also mentioned that it might have been a trap to bring people like it, you know, misinformation, bring them into an area they probably didn't want to be in. Right. But I like that idea better. I like but what do you mean it could be a trap? Because if it was a tra- if it was a trap, they still can read and write both English and oh, the symbolism. Well, at least that doesn't, can. that doesn't change that at all. Well, the only ones that we know have made lists are Ink and maybe Randy. Right. It's not like it's not like the little ones are going around making lists. Yeah, but I'm just saying that it's crazy that Ink or whoever can still do multiple languages. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. Do you have any theories as to why that would be? If why it would be that he he could still read English? Yeah, you know he's really intelligent, and I keep thinking about this thing being a uh, a host of some sort that takes over. Well, and so I'm wondering if there's like a left and right hemisphere type thing going on, and if someone's really intelligent that may have control of both, they might retain more yeah or does the host just use what information's left behind well see i don't if we're approaching this like it's a zombie fiction which is what it uh, you know is disguised to be like then it would be really confusing but since you know we're it's being revealed to be not so much of just a pure zombie thing it could be whatever you know, especially if if William Roberts himself was the one who engineered any of this to happen, uh, he could have controlled that, which we don't we're not sure about since it's 
definitely worldwide event. Hmm. So I mean, if, if he engineered some of it, if well, we know it's not aliens, and we know it's not paranormal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good assumption is that he engineered. Well, I don't know. No, it's not. Right. <laughs> I really don't know. Hopefully, that'll be one of those that we do know at the end. Probably not, but you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll just have, be happy with the ending, I guess. Yes. Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry to take you off track. No, no. Uh, this is going to be all over the place, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so they, they get onto the subject about how some of the symbols just mean something and they don't say anything. Yes. And Tanya says she knows that can happen in animals, instinctual, and also in humans. And the thing about the smiles and the frowns and knowing about what it is without being cold. Right, the animalistic pattern recognition. Yes, and then she says, but if the little ones were born, little ones, they wouldn't know English, which makes Michael think, hey, they said die. Yeah, and she says that they had to have been taught by Ink. Which I would love to see an image of Ink the teacher in front (laughs) of a blackboard teaching his class of children little ones. That'd be so classic. Oh, my God. You know, and we've talked about the animalistic pattern recognition before. So I'm I'm kind of, I'm, I'm glad to see that in the storyline, too, and that we weren't totally off base. Yeah. But we're not <laughs> totally ridiculous. We, and we also like, joked around about Ink, you know, playing father figure to all these and, you know, hanging out in the nursery with the little ones. Right. <laughs> Spinning up the mobile. Yes. W- with parts of the mother dangling from it. Yes. Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> okay, so uh Tanya starts to break it down a little bit more here. She says the big ones couldn't handle it because he injected it directly into them, so that's one type as we talked about. And then number two, he put it the falostatin into the pregnant mothers. With these zombie children gestating in their womb still. So that was number two. And, and right here, they uh, she mentions that it's possibly it's possible that they could have been turned, the mothers could have been turned during the pregnancy. Right. Which is it's crazy. And they don't know for sure. And then Michael's like, and they say, or, I don't know, I'm not sure who said it exactly, but they say he's perfecting his process. Michael's mm-hmm. like, what happens when he gets it right? Yeah, yeah I'm going for the, the hybrid, tattooed, bigger little ones that we're seeing, maybe. Yeah, they even suggest that they could be breeding, like, between zombies. Right, that's a scary, scary, uh... I don't know, it just... Think of. Right, well, it's kind of like cats, like, it doesn't sound enjoyable. It sounds like pain. And you wonder how they kept breeding over the years and not die out or wean off in numbers. Right. I don't know. Because for most animals, it's enjoyable. Or it seems <clears> so. <throat> <laughs> but for cats, Sorry. it sounds like torture. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> so, and I just kind of see the same thing happening with these zombies are the little ones and I don't know. Yeah. Getting a little too rough and ripping each other's heads off or something, you know? Oh yeah. Going praying mantis style. Yeah. Oh, I didn't shouldn't have said style there. I didn't want it to sound like that. <laughs> I didn't want it to sound like that. 
<laughs> Let's see, where is that note I have? Okay, that's there. So I, I've got it's a couple notes ahead. Anything else you want to talk about before I keep going? Uh, well, I, I was wondering where you're going next because the next note I have after this is about the colony. I'm still uh, the next one's Cody. This is before that. Okay. You know, they talk about the colony being too spread out to be stable. Yes. And which we talked about this before at one time about containing the areas that they expanded into into small areas instead of joining everything together, even if they have walls in between. So I'm just wondering where they're planning on going. Is Dunbar still a viable place? Yeah, it sounded like that's what they're talking about. Was going back to Dunbar. Um, at least I think I remember Tanya saying something. You know, uh, I guess she was kind of thinking along the lines of this contingency of, okay, so what? We go back to Dunbar and then what? Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they, it's, you know, we found out here in a little bit, it sounds like they're building up a plan to just take out ink. But at the same time, I'm wondering, where are you going to put the baby? Where are you going to put the blind girl? Where are you going to put, these people that you want to kind of save from a last-ditch effort. You know, some kind of safe area. I mean, I know they got all these little areas they've sent all these convoys to, but I'm just wondering what the overall arching plan is, because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I don't think we know it for sure. So, and then it is around here they start talking about what they're going to be looking for, what they're going to be doing. And this is before the Cody talk. They they mentioned that they haven't seen large piles of dirt to ID the areas. You know, the, the tunnel entrances, you're saying, right? Right, right. Yeah. So they start talking about how they could find these locations. And they mentioned something about the symbols being used to um, locate the tunnel areas. The, ones that, the one that was outside the church, the scratch in the rock. But... Yeah, I mean, so now they're actually talking about it. We haven't seen these large piles of dirt. Where where did they put it? <laughs> that would <laughs> well, be a lot of dirt. <laughs> I dug a little hole and it made a lot of dirt right next to it. I mean, it's not like they could store it in the ground. Nope. So, I don't know. I'm hoping that get that gets answered because it's kind of a it's a it's a big detail. It, might have been in other locations further away from the survivors. I guess so. I don't know. That's one possibility. Re- Tunnel going to another building, <laughs> just waiting. Forcing the sides of the the arena. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it fell in on itself. <laughs> now Datu's at rest. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, that's all got up to the Cody talk. Okay, cool. And so Michael mentions he has other ideas for the Cody in the tunnel. So I'm yeah, sure that's a... kind of finishing his thought from last episode when he said, when he told Vic that he knows what to do and you need to save your energy for it. Yeah, I'm wondering what his plan is because he said it couldn't be used for the tunnels. I, I, I guess it's not that great at moving over that kind of terrain or maybe those steep angles or I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to it because now, now that you said that, I kind of remember him saying that. But I, I thought on one of my re-listen throughs that I heard him say something about that might lead into him using it in the tunnel. But did he say that he couldn't use it there? 
Yeah, he said he couldn't use it there, but he has other ideas for it. Okay. Interesting. I'll have to go back and re-listen because I heard something wrong the second time. All right. Uh, okay, so Tanya, I didn't even know <laughs> this, but she thought she deleted the picture, and then she like was like, oh, no, I'm cool. Never mind. I didn't lose nothing. I don't know, I know. what I saw, but somebody said, do we think that she did delete something? And oh, that's a good question. Something? That's a very good question. And I wouldn't know, I wouldn't even be able to begin to guess what she could be hiding. Hmm. But, uh, unless it's like one of those weird selfies she took. <laughs> She's like, oh, well. She was showing her, Never mind. her ripped abs in the camera. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. This seemed very much like a, a Lucille Ball type moment. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I, I, I enjoyed it. It kind of broke it up. I've never had, this is so cool. I haven't thought about Lucille Ball in 10 years. And today there's been like three or four different references I've seen. Really? Yes, that's so awesome because she's so cool. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Queen Ginger. You know, I, I don't know. I think they jumped around a little bit on the details too because my very next note is why didn't the mothers turn into something more like the behemoths? I think I just had that out of order, but there was a question no, in there. No, they were about... kind of going all over the place at times. But yeah, you want to talk about that? Yeah, they made some comment, and I couldn't, I didn't catch whether it was why didn't they turn into something more like the behemoths or the you know the number ones themselves. And I don't know. I I was wondering if with the growth rate and, and the just the gestation probably possibly sped up whenever they got these injections. I'm wondering if the uh, the little ones just started taking way more nutrients than the mothers could withstand. Yeah, that and wasn't there some talk about maybe the behemoths were injected while they were still human? I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a good... And, and the mothers might have been zombies already? Yeah, they may have been just regular ones. But they don't really know because CJ take, wants to see the camera and then she begins to talk to Tanya about how the little ones were created. That's right. That's what happened. And um, then she's like, well, do you think that they were pregnant already? Or do you think this and that? And Tanya just said, uh, I actually took this verbatim pretty much. She said, no, no way to know for certain. Just one of the many blanks that won't be filled in. And that really resounded <laughs> in my head because it's pretty much verbatim to what Casey's been saying about the little mysteries being left for people to ponder after the show is complete. Hmm. So I, and I, I was just thinking last week about how this might be one of those things that we don't get a lot of clarification on because it, it does drive a lot of conversation and it's a lot of, well, it, in this, in this, uh, particular piece, not a whole lot of fun to talk about, but it's very interesting. Yeah, and it, it it's not one of those details that could dramatically change the storyline. Absolutely. It's just a really cool detail. Well, it's really gory, but it's a really cool detail. Right. It it's a morbidly intriguing morbidly curious, yes. <laughs> I don't know how to put it without trying to sound like a complete serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
So, okay, so when, by the time they finish up that conversation, they're looking at the pictures on the computer, and it's a lot easier to see what's in the photos. Yeah. Uh, before we... I think before we get there, CJ mentions a lot of... seeing a lot of dogs. This might be a, this might be right in line with what you're saying. But did you, oh yeah, that they kid they catch a lot of dogs on the uh, on the on the cameras. And CJ yeah. remarks she don't she doesn't hear a lot of barking or howling at night. And then Tanya Ooh. remarks, "Huh? Ooh. I was just thinking, is that what they're eating now?" Ooh. Tanya remarks, "Oh, that take, makes sense because, huh? Take that, Hobbit." <laughs> <laughs> They're eating your dog. <laughs> mm, delicious. Uh, Tanya remarks, uh, the quiet ones live. And I think that's so cool because they don't even spend a whole lot of time on this. It's just really cool that, to include something like this in the show, which just, I don't know, makes my science brain go happy, happy places. Uh, but Natural selection. Right. He says, <laughs> um, it's kind of... For one thing, it's kind of confirming that the zombies eat animals, which I'm not sure that we've been clear on before. Maybe we have. Maybe it's one of those details I forgot about a long time ago. <laughs> like, I know it's come week. up at. <laughs> I know it's come up at one time or another. Weren't they eating rats at one time? Probably, probably. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I know it's come up before. I just can't remember for sure. But you know, you know how much we hate snakes. Like people in general, like we hunt them down, we kill them. Any that we see, any that we hear. You you know that's primarily a U.S. thing, right? No, I don't know that, but I'm just saying. Uh, rattlesnakes are hunted all over the place, like you know Texas, Arizona, all these places out of fear or whatever. But the problem is that the you know they you can hear them and hunt those down to hunt down the ones that you hear, but the ones that oh. don't make sound as often. <laughs> They're the ones that are left to procreate. The ones that have the deformed rattlers have and deformed rattlers, or just don't like to make noise whenever uh, they get scared. You know, just kind of. Those are the ones that are left to have babies. So <sighs> there's more and more and more of these ones that are stealthy, whereas you'd rather have the loud ones around. <laughs> you know, if they're <laughs> going to be there. Right. That blows my mind because. On one hand, you got people hunting them, and on the other hand, you've got uh, game and fish commissions in different in different states that relocate and trade animals that are deficient in certain states. Like I think we've talked about this once before. I think on here about them. Uh, Arkansas recently got, uh, I say recently, like within the last year, a, a ton of rattlesnakes in exchange for some other animal we gave them. And they re- they released them into the wild hmm. to kind of restore the balance that man throws off. <laughs> it seems counterintuitive in the scheme of things. That's interesting. Yeah. Do we give <laughs> do we uh, give them a lot of our panda bears? Yes, panda bears. <laughs> Those are just overflowing here. That's a nice loss reference. Is it? Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> I love the unintentional, oblivious lost references. That one can make. (laughs) I just thought that was a lot of fun. For for that to be like a little two-line, forgettable, throwaway thing. But anyways, it probably took too long with it. No, no, it's cool because, okay, with that in mind, 
and they're making this observation and and realizing what it is, why aren't they taking a cue from that, from Mother Nature itself, and getting quiet and relocating somewhere further away from the epicenter? Yeah. I'll say it time and time again. What the heck are you still doing there? What are you still doing there? <laughs> it took our homes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't have any big notes till towards the very end there if you want if you have anything else. Let's talk about Duncan. <laughs> Skittles! Duncan McClog. <laughs> okay, Skittles, so man, too cool. They said that most that they see on the cameras are lone wolves. You know, just ones. You know, single solitary zombies running around. Or not in fact the opposite of running around, just kind of wandering. <laughs> so first they see a picture of two and then three, which I didn't catch the first time for some reason. Yeah, first, so I, Michael, see, Michael only saw one. Because he must have just been seriously hobbit skimming these uh, pictures. Yeah, and well, like, yeah. no, there's two. Then they're like, oh, wait, there's three. Yeah, so I'm guessing him because it was on, he was looking at it on the little LCD screen on the back of the camera. Probably. Makes sense. But one of these is not a zombie. Yes, one of them's not like the other ones. And CJ recognizes him right away. We get the confirmation that Duncan is... Skittles. Skittles. Mmm. Delicious. I thought somebody from the tower knew his name before it was over with. Am I mistaken on that? Maybe it's just being shared, or I, I don't I think know. It's, it's just one of those things that the hardcore Weird Life fans... Talk it have put together a long time ago, and it just seems like something the characters should know. But I don't think that anybody's known it. Hmm. Okay. If it, and if they did, it might have been Saul and Victor. Maybe. I'm just I'm kind of guessing now. I don't remember anything like that. But because they spent so yeah. much time with CJ. Oh, that's right. I think that's when they put the two and two together. That's when it was originally uh, the two were linked. Okay. Cool. When they're going through the files and stuff at Dunbar. Makes sense. So yeah, Skittles is walking right past the zombies. Kalani, reading the Kalani journal, but maybe that was with. Oh, it was. Or... Yeah, yeah. No, no. I don't remember what point that was read, but yeah, that's when it was confirmed exactly to the audience because the Haventon gave me the exact timestamp for it, and I went and listened to it. Oh, really? Yes. It's that. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Cool. So yeah, we got confirmation that Skittles is walking around right past the zombies and they don't even give him a second glance. Yeah, what the what? And so yeah, that that seems to be everybody's reaction. And Pegs offers up some suggestions. Take it away, fanboy. Take it away. Well, I don't know. She said something about what if he smells different? Yeah. She's like Everybody got quiet. She was like, oh, I, I said something really stupid again, didn't I? <laughs> and Tanya's like, no, baby, it's perfect. Well, and and I thought, she I thought had such was... a great motherly tone, too. Like, I even felt better about myself when Tanya said that. Because I was like, just the way she said it, she could have said it to anybody about anything. Not have been like, have that warm feeling that you get from a, the parental, uh, whatever it is. I don't, I forget the word is. Pat on the head? Sure, yeah, that's it. 
Well, I thought it was an interesting kind of a guess at or a stab at you know what it might be, which is very likely. But I also started thinking, you know, if this is kind of a parasitic thing and so many clues are leading up to that, the rewiring of the brain. And uh, But I, I start wondering, if they're not getting a good reading on his brain activity, maybe, they don't see him as a viable, or, you know, he's there's not a whole lot going on there because he's crazy. So I'm wondering if, if, if it is a parasitic host, do they see it as something they can't control or it's not viable? Well, that's a good theory. I never even crossed my mind either. So, well, I, yeah, there you go. There's one. He's, you know, but if it was that, Skittles probably wouldn't know it unless he just repeated observation of they don't want to eat him. But either way, it's a little gutsy. Even if I think they're not going to eat me, for him to just be walking around. So he's, I'm thinking he's got to know something. Well, he's been out there a long time on his own, mm-hmm. so he he could have figured this out eventually, right? But yeah, I started wondering too. So I started asking <clears throat> questions: Is he truly innocent, or is he part of the unfolding of all these events? Exactly. It's a little gutsy or sinister. Well, I think uh, giving Ink that much credit for like the creation of him is a little much. I think it would be. Incredible if Skittles turns out to be the true mastermind behind all this. Just as we've joked, the entire <laughs> fan cast life. <laughs> Without giving it any true credence other than fan service. Yep, now I'm truly curious. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's all wrapped up with Michael basically confirming that he's going to go after Skittles and he's going to look for him at the water tower. And now, what's his plan? Oh, uh, yeah. I is think he, so. it, Let's just hope he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> is that his tunnel plan now? Or is he going to strap uh, Skittles to Cody? Yeah. <laughs> don't mind this machine with the guy you don't want to eat on it. I think he's yeah. just got a t-shirt with a symbol for not food. <laughs> and he doesn't even realize it. He never changes his clothes. It's a Rorschach's uh, freaking uh, yes. symbol. <laughs> That's it. He's got an ink blotch. The zombies are like, what's that say? The I never. Was, I wasn't good. I didn't listen whenever Ink was teaching me all the symbols very well. Unclean, undesirable. Yeah. <laughs> Do I not don't touch. recognize that one. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's that's all I've got. You got any more notes on that one? Uh, let me scroll back through it real quick and skim. <laughs> I love my note here. Tanya thought she deleted one. Ha 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 ha! That would suck. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> you hear that pop? I did. What was that? That was like my monitor settling. I don't. It's the only way I can explain it. Sounds like fun. <laughs> it's just sitting here and no moving it at all, and all of a sudden my monitor just. Settles a little quick. That, that must be something CRTs do. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be funny. <laughs> oh, Tanya's. she's got the encrypted thumb drive. Oh, yeah. And I would love to know what Casey typed there, because he definitely typed something out. And I've, So I Googled, you know, there's there's people that, there's programs out there people have written to be able to decipher passwords from 
just the auditory sounds of a keyboard being typed on. Really? And some, yeah, and some programs that college students or different organizations have done have gotten to like a 96% success rate of being able to tell what was typed just by hearing it. Would that work on, let's say, you know, someone that doesn't have a formal typing standard? I don't know. I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not that deep into it for sure. Because there's a, an incredible network engineer that we work with right. that um, <laughs> is the one-handed wizard man. Well, that's another thing where they, people can tell that your computer makes different noises based on the computations it's doing. And so they've talked about trying to decrypt things like that. But anyways, so I tried to find something like that, and all I could find was good, interesting papers on people that were able to do it but not actually publish programs to do it with. Hmm. I'm, sh- I'm sure there might be something like that out there. But, or Casey could just tell me what he typed. That would be great, too. <laughs> I'm sure it's something very amusing. I started trying to think of something because it's like, like it sounds like where he hits one thing three times in a row or four times in a row. Like what? What is it that would be three letters in a row at the same thing? I I would be the worst at listening for the differences because my hearing is just Maybe shot. It's like www dot. Maybe he was podcast. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was http <laughs> colon whack whack www dot com or zombiepodcast.com. I'm sure it was something like Blair Wayland. Huh. Yeah, uh, that, that's a viable answer for sure. It's it's long enough. I tried to think of something to criticize him about that, but I just couldn't. Miss. Nothing? No. Good. Well, no, Good you show. can't criticize him for that. Good show. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah, right, was, all right. Yeah, great episode. You wanted to go with favorite lines? We got favorite yeah. lines. Yeah. We even got Actually, two submissions from people for, va- for favorite lines. I've even got one that I planned for ahead of time. Excellent. <laughs> Slaterific wrote, uh, are you going to be okay with him out there? That's what Bert said. Then he wrote back what Riley said, is he going to be okay with out here with me? Cardos was like, I won't even breathe. Yeah, he he sounded very terrified or, I don't know, Almost, I don't know if it was intentional, but it almost sounded like he was um, pandering. Yeah. But, yeah. He's Tardust. Who knows? <laughs> I love that dude's voice. We could keep him around a couple more shows to listen to him. With his life experience, I don't know how he could be afraid of much. Exactly. Well, he knows he can't, he can't control these people with this product. Well, yeah, because they're dead. No, he can't control these people with this product. Oh, yeah, no. This is more of a little... He had a pretty smart little plan that was really interesting. That would have been really, really interesting to see play out. Zombie apocalypse. (laughs) Right? That's all I could think about when he said the greenhouse. (laughs) Like It just sounds like something that would fit in the storyline. Yes, it sure does. And Adam wrote his favorite line was, Oh, beep, I think I deleted one. She is so smart about medical stuff, but she can't operate a camera. (laughs) (laughs) They are a little different. Yes, they are. Good one, Adam. Yeah. What did you get? (laughs) When Tardus was talking about on the list of crazies, you are a lot lower. 
Because uh, he was talking about being more afraid of Scratch than he is of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my favorite. Let's see. What, what was the line about strings and hammer? What? I don't know. Strings and hammer? I wrote down something about strings and hammer. I have He's no tired idea. of it, the grudge thing. And then I have written written down strings and hammer, went with her. Oh, oh the people. That was people. Yeah, thing. the people. Okay. <laughs> That's not a quote. All I could picture in my head when you said that was like stringing two cans up. Uh-oh. <laughs> what I env- what I envisioned the original uh, relay system to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, tin can. Oh, I meant to mention this earlier, but whenever they were talking about Tardus may have just been feeding them a line, and it was Pegs and Michael and Tanya and CJ, I kind of expected Scratch to show up at that point. And, you know, either kill Pegs or, like, just have the threat of Pegs, you know, maybe gonna die here. I think it may come up eventually. Yeah. Well, like, look, it's got to. This could all be over really quick. We've lost enough people. Right. Just give me your helicopter pilot. They're out of fuel, anyways. Uh, that's one of those really tough questions. There's a there's a survival tr- uh, card game like that, and it cut, like it, it poses questions about a group. It's like you, if you kill one, you can save save the entire group a lot of headache. What do you do? <laughs> And I forget what it's called. I have to look it up again. Sweet. So it's kind of like acetaminophen. <laughs> I it's guess. It's a hangover the, cure. Just kill somebody. Uh, some Tylenol? Right. Oh. <laughs> Got a headache? Sorry. I guess my favorite line was uh, was when CJ asked if, if anyone else can read that. And t- Tanya was like, no, I can't read it. That's exactly what CJ was trying to ask. Hmm. Can anyone else read that? <laughs> hmm. Not a lot of people standing here. That's it for uh, favorite lines. And ratings. I gave this one a four and a four and a third. Four point three three. Because it I mean of course production values were amazing as always. Audio cues, I mean, even the sad footsteps of people walking around with new sad information was pretty good. And also just the massive and natural detail droppings we got this episode. Detail droppings. <laughs> that makes it sound worse. <laughs> with massive dropping of details. <laughs> <laughs> On my ears. Cool. Definitely a good show, good show. And we already talked about the news. The event is sold out. Sold out. What? Didn't even take four days? I am so excited about this. It's going to be big. Dude, it's going to be cool. All right, well, uh, hey, we're going to be back with the feedback uh, right after this, so don't go anywhere. Okay, I'm back on 102.1 Black Hawk Radio. And if you missed last episode's outtakes, you might want to go back and hear Rockin' Resurrected Robin's Radio Improv. Uh, It's at the very end of the outtakes, and there might be some more of that in the future.
But for now, it's just me, Lonely Mick, but I promise there is some really good stuff in this feedback section. So let's get to it. Question of the week last week was, what has Skittles been up to since we saw him last? And uh, I did not, I was not planning, I did not know that Skittles was going to be mentioned in this one, or uh, didn't know we were going to have a Skittles sighting. But we did, so we just kind of rolled with it anyways. Elisa uh, Uranga, and I'm sorry, Elisa, but she messaged uh, me on Facebook, or Cinna, she posted this on Facebook before, I guess she had listened to the episode. She said, Skittles is on the episode? And I wrote back, I was like, I did not say that. I just said the question of the week was, what has Skittles been up to? It was just so funny that Skittles was on it. I know Deanna was, uh, she went kind of crazy. Because she was so happy to see Skittles was back. But um, Michael Patterson says, I would guess he's still up in the water tower waiting to save the day. I think uh, Michael's with you on that one. So, very possible. Slaterific says, I think he has probably been uh, wondering where all the zombies went to. But mostly, he's just been chilling in the water tower. No reason to leave if it's safe up there. (laughs) He wrote back after he listened. He said, wow, I was so wrong. Skittles is just out for a stroll without a care in the world. <laughs> That's uh, it's what it looks like. I don't know. Adam says, Skittles has been picking up chicks using the last of post-apocalyptic bags of Skittles. You know, in those times, that might just uh, be what it takes to help get a guy like Skittles into the other, the fair, <laughs> to get Skittles. And, oh my gosh, I'm losing it. Uh, basically, to get Skittles a girl, it might be might be good enough in these times. All right, so let's move on to some listener mail, tweets, and Facebook posts. And if you're wondering, uh, Redbeard, uh, he couldn't, we couldn't quite meet up to record right on time, so we thought we'd get this feedback stuff recorded prior to the show, which is our regular recording time of 9:30. But uh, we're gonna hop on together and do this coverage. Sai says, I thought. It was a real greenhouse full of plants myself. Oops. (laughs) And he's referencing last episode how both Redbeard and I were really confused about the the greenhouse and it actually being a green-colored house. But, of course, Tardust used used the cookhouse and called it the greenhouse as a joke, too. Eric Williams, Funky Dunk, says, Blair's tra-la-la reminded me of Captain Underpants' battle cry. Uh, It seems very... Very familiar. I don't I don't recognize it, but that's pretty funny. Thanks for sharing. All right, after today's show, we have a bunch of really good feedback and I want to try to get through this. We have a lot too. This is this is some of the most uh some of the most feedback we've ever gotten for for one show like this. And it came quickly all in one day. Afton Hill said, "Anyone else worried that no one checked Michael and Victor's truck? It was waiting outside the church for a long time." Maybe Skittles was hiding in the back seat or relaxing in Dunbar with an MRE and a bag of Skittles. I am starting to struggle to listen to the show. Every episode takes us closer to the end, and I don't want it to be over. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Somebody else mentioned, I think the Haventon mentioned, that they went out of their way to say that Michael didn't check the truck. So that's that's probably got some legs to it. They have to pay attention to that often. Deanna writes, from tears to complete sadness to complete and total joy, Skittles, Skittles, and there is at least something odd about him. Casey is the best, I'm so happy. Skittles! I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, I've been holding that hope we're going to see him soon, and I think we're going to here 
it's, it's coming around. It's right around the corner. The Haventon Wilson. Skittles, hero or villain? The title, Distorted Truths, could refer to the circumstances regarding Ink's entry into Dunbar. CJ says that she thinks that Duncan let the man-thing, Ink, in by accident. Her account of what happened is based on video without sound. They only get to see what's going on, no audio. So there could be more to what happened. The other account of the incident is from Kalani, who doesn't provide any info of what Duncan does when he enters the camera room. Maybe we finally get Skittle's version of the incident. Re-listen to Chapter 27, Part 2, at 21:25 mark. It's as chilling now as ever. And so I went and I listened and I took a few notes. Let me just go ahead and run through these. Uh, so from right about the point where he mentions Kalani's, uh, reading Kalani's journal, and then CJ says, what happens next? She only has pieces. They had a, a system where people could be buzzed in, as you all rem- probably remember, and uh, the, it could unlock the entrance. Well, CJ has video of Duncan, as the Haventon just said, going into the camera room, letting ink in. And CJ remarks at this point, presumably on accident. And as soon as the door is opened, it let out a horrible scream, and so many followed. And of course, uh, this scene continues with the attack on Dunbar, and Kalani and Scratch are talking, and it ends with the better start running, is what Scratch tells <laughs> Kalani. DeHaventon also writes, in short, CJ sees what happens, but the surveillance video doesn't tell the whole story. And he, he continues, the strange thing about Skittles is that the zombies and Ink ignore him in the same manner. I, I think he's saying and Ink. He doesn't know that for sure. I don't think if he know that, knows that for sure. I'm kind of presuming. Uh, ignore him in the same manner that Datu was ignored by Jay and Ink was ignored by the zombies who, who after he was turned. Could Skittles be a slow turner or have a resistance like Saul and Tanya? Speaking of slow turners, what about the first slow turner mentioned? The one that bit Tanya. Remember James who arrived from Dunbar with Sean and Hope? And uh, the, the Haventon mentions he's running to get his tinfoil hat. He says James is the slow turner and he and Duncan are brothers. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, let me go back and we're gonna just break this down in the little bite-sized chunks here. But, uh... He's saying that Skittles is being ignored in the same manner that Datu was. Okay, very possible that he's a slow turner, but I'm thinking we we mentioned that Peg, you know, Peg said maybe it could have been that he's covered in the smell, like you know, other fiction that I can't mention. You may have seen where they're covered in zombie smell. Uh, he's or he could be just hiding it in some way like that, which is just kind of crazy because I know these guys can see a little better than that. I think. And, I don't know, I'm just, I'm not sure that Skittles is a slow turner, or something on the, and even in the same lines as Ink or Randy, but I don't know, he could, that's a good theory, he could be a slow turner, he could be masking his scent somehow, I really don't know. Good stuff to Haventon, very good stuff. Okay, Chris, Chris Combatant says, Skittles was apparently making friends and influencing people, but I wonder if he was listening to the Bee Gees or Kenny Loggins as he walked past those zombies. <laughs> oh no. That's good, Chris. Thank you. Uh, Tony Hind. Skittles has been kicking beep since he got those socks from Riley. Imagine how unstoppable he'd be with a pair of shoes. Yeah, get that dude some friggin' Converse All-Stars. Matt Sawyer. What on earth happened? That was almost a co- almost a comical end. Maybe the guys with tinfoil hats were right about Skittles being in on it with ink. But on a slightly darker note, no more helicopter fuel? Not good. Obviously, we're due a lie to come through soon. 
so maybe they're lying about the helicopter fuel running out, but then again, it seems more likely that Scratch is, is stalking Bert and Riley, and Tardust is a acting as bait. I feel a lot more deaths are coming. Gulp. <laughs> I hope I hope you're wrong, Matt. But it's uh, very possible. Um, I probably covered this in the show, but I kind of believe Tardust. I think Tardust is telling the truth, as crazy as that might be. A helicopter, no fuel. That would be crazy, and that's a pretty bold uh, prediction. But I agree. I think we're due some kind of twist or lie. Uh, maybe even a traitor would be really interesting at this point, but I just don't know who it could be if it wasn't somebody that we don't know very well, like Skittles or Pete or somebody that we just don't know all that well. All right, Deanna says, Well, Matt, if you are not a Chelsea fan, then you are forgiven. Not all Englishmen are the villains. There is always the doctor. Ha ha ha. Matt replies to her, Deanna, you know nothing. And I'm English. Therefore, it's in my blood to be the villain and not allow anyone happiness. Clem's take, here it is. Okay, well, any time he appeared, it was a mixture of some miracle work, coincidence, and especially a huge surprise. I think most We're Alive fans did not have Duncan, a.k.a. Skittles, on the plate for the rest of the We're Alive show anymore. And there he is, all of a sudden, again. And just like the last time, when we met, when he met Kalani and Angel, Skittles might be the special joker for the survivors. But the big question is, will Skittles help them? To his best knowledge, he has survived the best when he was on his own. And any time he had to do with others, there was many, many things going wrong big time. The fall of Dunbar, the rampaging behemoth near the military base, why would Skittle help, Skittles help total strangers? I think he would help them if the right person speak to him. And I think, and I can only think of two right now, CJ and O'Reilly. He had a special relation to both of them. I think he would respect CJ because he would remember her as his former leader. And he would accept Riley because back then it was she who gave him socks and who connected him, connected with him pretty well. The big question for me now is, will we see Skittles and 45-3, or will he have his next appearance not earlier than 46-1, because connected to him is a big story arc. It is time for Scratch to reappear. She is a mystery right now, and that makes her a real danger, and especially a threat for pegs. That's crazy, because as they were talking today, I'll start at the end, um, as they were talking, and I was listening to it, and I'm talking about pegs in the group, and they mentioned how they checked with the uh, the groups that went to the colony. I was half expecting, like, Scratch to show up. Or, I don't know, Pegs to get taken out by a sniper shot. <laughs> or something very crazy like that. Scratch to be like, oh, well, well, well. Since, you know, basically Scratch is not accounted for, accounted for. And I think Tardust is telling the truth. At least that when he left Scratch, she was going after the convoy group. But maybe not. Maybe he's, uh, maybe he's lying and making a play. I'm probably going to repeat all this in the first part, so this sounds like a repeat now, but anyways. Um, good stuff, Clem. Let's see what else. Yeah, Duncan shows up at the right time. He is. He is this, uh, freaking wild card, isn't he? He helps out in the most ominous of times. Good takes. He definitely C.J. O'Reilly. It would probably, good, probably be good if he was talking to them. And I don't know. That's the question, man. Is he is he good? Is he bad? We'll have to see. I think it'd be a great twist if he is bad. I just that would be such a twist. The more I think about it, because he seems so harmless and innocent early on. 
Matthew Lamas said, I thought the last chapter was hard to listen to, but Saul's reaction in this episode is just, ugh, it just hurts, man. I can't even think straight enough to form an opinion on Skittles. I really gotta stop listening to the show while it worked. My boss saw and shouted, Matt's crying again from his stories. <laughs> Dude, what a badge of honor. Hold on a second. <laughs> that's great, man. We're going to have to get you <laughs> some kind of picture. I don't know. That's that's awesome. I'm glad that we're all enjoying this show together so well. And let's see. Adam, he says, When they go see Zombie King Skittles, his water tower, his water tower better be tricked out like crazy. Flat screen, solar power, running water, question mark? Oh yeah, I bet there's plenty of water for one dude, right? If he could somehow get that out of the tower to himself. Anyways, a uh, bunch of great feedback again, and thank you so much. You guys can always send your feedback to facebook.com slash WAFancast or at WAFancast on Twitter. And we love to hear it, love to talk to you. And wow, seven, seven more regular releases. Before the finale. I can't believe it. It's uh, coming up. Anyways, hang out and we'll be back to end the show. Forum feedback. We're back. I didn't... Yeah. I, I didn't... Yeah. <laughs> We're back. I, I didn't grab a whole lot because I was short on time today. Yeah. But um, I just... I'm going to mention some of these comments because I, I either agreed with them or thought they were interesting. Footbutt on the forum says, uh, I loved how the conversation between Pegs, Michael, CJ, and Tanya pretty much went through a laundry list of predictions and crossed them out. Quick, efficient. I can see Skittles teaching Michael and crew how to become one with the zombies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. See, Tactical JHP says, Yeah, Tardis is a sniveling worm. I expect him to be. Uh, and the return of Skittles. The forum shall explode now. Okay. Now for a pressing matter. At seven minutes and one second, when Victor and Michael are driving up to the gate, and Michael says the batteries are dead, is that a sound of automatic gunfire in the background? This seems to come up quite a bit. I was going to say, I think I hear this every show. So, I I just wanted to take a quick moment, and I'm going to pull that up, Sure, yeah, and I'm going to listen. We'll, we'll take a second. I think it sounds like gunfire, but I don't think it is gunfire. No, it, it doesn't sound like gunfire. I, I don't know what that is. It's just some kind of noise in the background. Probably him taking out the batteries or something. Yeah. That'd be quick. That'd be a quick taking out the batteries. Because that's what it sounds like. Or It sounds like he's it, just moving around in his hand. I mean. Or... It could be noise that's supposed to represent the uh, vehicle going over some bumps or something. I, I, you know, it could be many things. But I don't think that was like, I don't think there was any intentional gunfire. But that's what's beautiful about this. All these people did listening to it and listening for all kinds of things. It's, oh, it's awesome! Never would have got it. But then all the, you know, people throw out all these things. And luckily, the community says this isn't right, or we need to keep looking at this. <laughs> See, a uh, witch doctor in a previous post, and I'm not sure from when, says, uh, as for, because he quoted himself, as for zombie gloves, I'm beginning to think there are two kinds of markings. One is the occult and chemical symbols from the chapter art, and the other being some sort of esoteric marking that only means something to the zombies. When Michael asked Datu to read some of the other markings, he mentions that they don't mean anything. Then he looks 
a different marking and has a reaction. Some mean something, others don't. And then um, he follows up with, I really wish Tanya would say what kind of physical changes take take place when someone is turned. Also, how could CJ tell that Duncan wasn't turned? That's a good question. Because he's Duncan. He's probably did <laughs> Even if he was turned, he probably moved the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I guess once it got on the big screen, maybe they don't have decaying flesh on their arms and things. I don't know. So, the, speaking of Skittles, Storm on the forum says, uh, is there an illness that makes you unable to produce pheromones, maybe? Or maybe he doesn't sweat? And so he goes on a Google frenzy and comes up with some kind of a condition called hypohydrosis. And I guess certain drugs and medications can bring this on uh, where... <laughs> oh, and they're actually used to treat serious mental disorders, may interfere with the normal functioning of sweat glands. Also, medications with antichlorogenic, I probably said that wrong, properties and calcium ca- channel blockers may cause anhydrosis. He says, I had no clue this even existed. But, well, explains Skittles running around, I guess, maybe. Yeah, if he's able to stay medicated, that would that's a good theory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or if it has long-lasting effects, you know, long-term right. side effects. Right. Extremely uh, long. Hmm. That would be interesting. There was something earlier on in the post I wanted to talk about for a second. I can't remember what it was, though. <laughs> Gen X made some reference to Frozen. Yeah. Oh, it's about the musical. <laughs> He says Skittles is going to sing So You Want to Be a Zombie, set to the music of Do You Want to Build a Snowman from Frozen. Uh. (laughs) And Undead Sweeper said only if Victor does let it go. Yes. (laughs) Cat Lero's talking about it's going to be stuck in her head all day. Oh, that's awesome. I hope it's in Victor's voice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah, so that uh, I'm, that's all I really got from the forums. It, it there's a lot more going on, but uh, I didn't have time to go through and look at everything. Yeah, I'm sure there's a ton of that. And if anybody from the forums wanted to kind of gather up some of the high points and send it to us by like eight o'clock central on Monday nights, we would love to be able to go through it and go through or, more of it like that. But it's just hard to grab the high points out of the 20 pages or more. Or if later in the week you wanted to grab all the high points from the, the thread and either record it on your own and send it in via email or call into the uh, number on the website, you can uh, feel free to do that and we can listen to it and maybe talk about it before the next episode. Or if they get it in early enough, we could just tack it on to the end of the show. Yes. They really want to cover the, the forum stuff like that. That would be really cool. Cool, cool, cool. Got a few shows left like that. There's oh yeah, speaking of, since we're kind of closing out here, seven regular Monday releases before the finale. Holy crap, that is way too soon. Correct me. It's right. So we've got chapter forty six and chapter forty seven. That's six total. 
we've got the last part on this, which is seven, and then probably the hour-long finale by itself. And a couple breaks. I'm not counting. There's a couple breaks in there, too. There's a couple breaks, but I'm I'm not saying seven Mondays. I'm saying seven episodes left before the finale. That's stupid. I know. It's crazy. Don't let it end. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we hope you enjoyed the show. But first, we haven't done a question of the week. I didn't record a question of the week. You have a question of the week. Question of the week. Where's Datu? Where? If you know where Datu is. <laughs> Come on, let's make this a little bit more lighthearted. Please call 102.1 Black Hawk Radio. Let us know. Is he on the beach? Put him in funny places like you would have known. <laughs> Let us know where you would put Datu. Where would you keep your Datu? (laughs) Well, that was an awesome episode. It really was. It was really good. I guess that closes us out. Remember, you can find us at facebook.com slash WAFANCAST and at FANCAST, excuse me, and at WAFANCAST on Twitter. And when our website works, you can find us at mcred.com. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully if you're listening to this in the far future of after April 2014 that will never be a problem again yes that is, that is the goal alright talk well, to you all until next, next week. week I'm Redbeard I'm Mick later thanks for having me <laughs> hope you enjoyed your ear holes as much as we have yes <laughs> That sounds really bad. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the We're Alive Fancast. If you would like to send feedback to the show, you can email us at we'realive at mickred.com and we will read your mail on the show. We want to know what you think about We're Alive each week. Tweet us or email us your theories and reactions to that week's show. You can tweet us at, at WAFANCAST. Visit our website at mickred.com. Mickred is always spelled M-I-C-K-R-E-D. You can find the We're Alive FanCast on Facebook. Just search We're Alive FanCast. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for letting us use his song Ghost Apocalypse in this podcast. This has been a Mick Red production. Hello, my ginger friend. Sniveling little. Sniveling little ginger. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>